night on no driving gloves. Ralph is back in the news. Dodge says goodbye. Hello. And I'm sorry. Maybe. We talk about the worst advice we have ever given in automotive careers. And who knows what else. So stay tuned. Because in a moment, John and Derek are taking you for a ride. And it's John and Derek. Not bad for uh, pro- something I threw together in about fifteen minutes. See, working on it, working on it, putting some time yeah, it in. Sounded like a sounded like a Model A there. That's exactly what the sound effect was. Took me forever to find a Model A that I could record that with myself, so that we actually own the rights to that. So that when one of the trolls out there tries to claim our copyright, it was a blue Model A. With black trim, I thought it was red. No, it was it was it was blue. I'm describing it so that Facebook knows that we recorded it ourselves. Uh, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Nice. All right. Mm-hmm. I didn't crash this one either. Nice. So that's some of the best automotive advice I was ever given. When you're driving a Model T, any two pedals at the same time will stop it. Oh, yes. And quickly. Yeah. Wish I would have known that before I hit that Model A that was due to be delivered to the customer the next day. <laughs> or the client. Yeah. We you just had to stay up all night and fix it. Exactly. Instead of going home as soon as I pulled the Model T in, it was pull the Model T out. And I can't remember, four-ish, five-ish that happened. And I remember being there at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so all the fun stuff in life. It's what it's all about. Yes. I was going to do an electric car sound effect. Would have sounded just like that moment of silence there. Yeah, exactly. Except when I edit it, that moment of silence will have gone away. So pause your recorder or player right now for three seconds. And then come back, and there's the moment of silence for when we did the electric car. Yeah, that's that's our new introduction. Yeah. Um, so. We could just do the tire noise. Just Isn't that more like... Well, yeah. You know, I knew somebody that actually had a blog post at one point in time talking about how they and their friend almost got run over by a a Prius in electric mode. That was like a dozen years ago or something. I almost understand it now. But they it's not, I mean, it's, it's not hard to miss one. They're very, very quiet. I wonder I whatever I happened. To, I wonder whatever happened to the legislation that electric cars are required to emit noises when they drive. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I haven't followed up on that. Hmm. I don't know what happened to legislation. I know we'll talk about electric cars making noise in a few news articles here. Mm-hmm. So, but you sent me noise. you sent me one that brought the past back to the present. You know, about our favorite auto main auto main manufacturer and an attorney, all wrapped up in a nice little bow. That present, isn't it? Yes. And fortunately, I found a place I can get the book that I want to read for 
actually for free and almost get it, it can get it played to me audio um, if I'm on a Wi-Fi connection. It doesn't play audio very well if um, I'm on my uh, 4G, 5G, whatever the hell my phone is and my services. But So do you want to sum up what Mr. Nader tried to throw out there this week or... Tried to throw out or did throw out? Well, he did throw out. I don't know to what level of success yet, but. Well, I mean, he's just, you know, he's. He's calling them out, right? He's he's pointing out some issues like he did back in the day. And uh, I'm just uh, going to his wonderful quote here, at least what I, I like in his quote here. This nation, in other words, the United States, should not allow this malfunctioning software, which Tesla itself warns may do the wrong thing at the worst time, on the same streets where children walk to school. Together, we need to send an urgent message to the casualty-minded regulators that Americans must not be test dummies for a powerful, high-profile corporation and its celebrity CEO. No one is above the laws of manslaughter. I think he makes some good points. Oh, 100%. I mean, and that's the thing about Ralph Nader, though, is you know, legendary in automotive history for what he did back in the day. And we'll get into that on a future podcast, I'm sure. But he had he has always had valid points. He has always brought to light valid concerns about safety in the industry. And that's all he's doing here. He's bringing to the forefront uh, an issue that Tesla has with their autonomous self-driving programming to the vehicles that they're offering and basically saying, Hey, look, you know, this is not the, for lack of a better term here, this is not back to the 1930s and forties and and into the fifties of the automobile industry when it was kind of the wild, wild West. We're not, we're not trying to step back into that with, you know, with new technology always comes issues and he is simply pointing out, look, we 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 went over this once. Like there were safety issues in the industry. He and a number of other people called the industry out and got legislation moved through and things changed. So there's no reason we need to go back to having safety issues in the industry again just because of new technology that we're experimenting with. Mm. You boy, you said that really complicated, like, like, like an educated person. Didn't somebody say that I could take uh, something that was, you know, needed to be like ten words and turn it into five hundred? Well, isn't that the point? Well, if we're going to have an hour long podcast, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I can throw some more content in here. I found an int- another interesting article that will pop into because it kind of ties into this one too. Yes, Jason, uh, Ralph Nader stopped riding in automobiles in the 1960s. So he lived. <laughs> Actually, Sorry. he's Jason, he's, Jason commented. He said, I didn't know Ralph Nader was still alive. 
Yeah, he's actually pretty active. He's in the mid-80s. And I was thinking, you know, 62, 63, when he came out against the Corvair, it's about 60 years ago. What a way to bookend your career, really. Destroy one car? Mm, we don't know what's going to happen with his statements on Tesla, but... Try to destroy another. Yes. But uh, so, what did it, you find, John? Well, it's um, say it's rekindled the desire to me. Um, I was listening to Matt Farah months ago, and he was talking about that he tried to seek out uh, "Unsafe at Any Speed," which is R Ralph Nader's legendary book. And I didn't realize Ralph had written so many, so many different books on various safety subjects, but. You can't find a copy of this book. It's out of print, blah, blah, blah. You're going to pay 100 bucks to get a copy. I found PDF copy on um, uh, archives.org, and it's free. So um, not that I encourage that, um, but really can't put 100 bucks into that book. And if it was audio, I would have bought it on Audible. I would have bought it. By the way, we have a link to Audible on our website that you can go to and we'll get a couple bucks for. But, yeah, but Audible John, had here, it. I just, I just looked it up real quick. And actually, if you buy it through Ralph's website, it's 100 bucks, and it comes autographed. Ooh, that's not bad. But I want it audio. I don't read books. So I want it audio. I would listen to it. And I think I figured out how I'm going to do it I, because – archive.org will read it to you. It's a little computerized, but it'll read it to you. And I think I'm going to have it read it and, do a rec and record it. And then I'm going to take the recording and convert it to MP3 and put it on my phone so that I can listen to it in the car. But once I get through that, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk a little bit about Ralph Nader and that. As Farah talked about, and even Farah thought, you know, a lot of the stuff he brought up was reasonable. And it's kind of like um, we did when we talked about automotive subscri subscriptions last week. A uh, lot of comments and feedback on that episode. But um, what I want to say, I want to revisit it. I want to research it. Is it is what he did really evil? Yes. It, you know, we get our safety pundits and, you know, yeah, that's why all cars kind of look alike and we have all these regulations. It's why we have the National Highway Safety Institute. But is it as bad or is he as horrible as his legend has it? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Maybe he is. And I might even reach out to Farah. We had him on the show a few years ago and see if he wants to sit down and have a conversation uh, about Nader and unsafe at any speed, especially since Nader's injecting himself into the news now. So stay tuned. We are going to have an episode on Ralph Nader and that in the future. Um, if you have any comments or anything about Nader, uh, email them to us or message us, put it in the comments below, and we'll see what we can address. Well, and I think we can uh, hopefully expand. That might have to be either a really deep dive show or... Maybe we expand that one because, yeah, Ralph got the notoriety, but there were a lot of other people involved in the safety, automotive safety realm. Um, so I think it could be one heck of a show. It's just Ralph. Nah. 
Oh. So that's kind of what we wanted to talk about with Ralph, but I just read an article and where did it go here? I'm on my laptop tonight. I'm on the road tonight again, guys. Well, wait a second. Guys, you, did, you did talk about the part you found that you found so interesting. You kind of got off track. No, that's well, mine's not directly related to Nader, but it's related to Tesla. Oh, OK. And where did this quote go? Because it sure sounded like somebody else in the news. I don't want to get too political, but where's that quote that? Um, there we go. What I can say is that the Cybertruck will be one hell of a product. It's going to be like a damn fine machine, Musk added. It kind of reminded me of somebody from recent memory. But a week or two ago, they were talking about the Cybertruck again. And Musk has now come out. Surprise, surprise. Um, it's not going to start at $39,900. No, uh, and he, he he he's using COVID and inflation as the excuse. Nobody f- foresaw the inflation that we're experiencing, and it's going to cause a rise in prices. Forty grand in two thousand nineteen dollars when the truck was introduced would have bought you. A Ford F-150 XL work truck, you know, 37 might have bought that for you Um, with rebates and whatever. You can get them a little bit less, but that was kind of the sticker on an F-150 XL. Uh, The Transit Connect I bought back in, was it 19 that I bought that? Yeah, 19. Um, I paid 22 for it. That same van retails now or... Asking prices on those vans now are 40. So, yeah, I totally agree with Musk. You're not going to see it for 40. But he's saying we will see it in the mid-2013. We didn't see it. You mean uh, 2023? We didn't see it in 21. Yeah. We didn't see it in 21 like he originally promised, or early 21. We didn't see it in late 21. We didn't see it in... Early 22, mid 22, or late 22 is, well, late 22 hasn't gotten here yet, but it's here. We didn't see it. Early 23 is out, which is the latest. And now he's saying mid 23. Mm. It's probably going to arrive about the same time that a fully autonomous car arrives. So I don't know. This one could be bad news for Tesla. Because how many deposits have they accepted on this truck? Um, and it'd be really funny to see how those deposits are worded if it guaranteed you that price at thirty nine nine. I'm going to guess it didn't. Yeah, I would think they would have been smart enough not to put it in there, but they still have millions of dollars on deposit on this truck and. You can only put it off so long. I mean, eventually Dale went out of business and eventually Elio went out of business for ta- and they took deposits on a car that never mm-hmm. came to fruition. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the Dale from the mid 70s was very much like the Elio was, what was that, 
14, 16. Our occasional co-host, uh, Sean Yoder, actually has $100 put down on an Elio. So maybe one Ooh, day he'll, he'll, wait. He'll, <laughs> he'll get a shot. Yeah, I believe uh, it's called fraud when you do that. Uh, the federal government doesn't like it too much. So it's going to be uh, one fine truck, huh, John? Yeah, well, I like Jason's idea here. I will have to verify whether or not unsafe at any speed is in the public domain where I could actually sit down by my fireplace with a cigar and a, a cigar or, okay, so I was thinking cigar and a pipe. No, it would be a cigar in my case and read unsafe at any speed. Now, do you want me to read that out loud or do you just want to sit there and watch me read it? Just, just sit there and watch you read it. Yeah, don't actually read it out loud. Then we don't have to worry about if it's in the public domain. True. It could just be watching John smoke a cigar and read a book. And I almost bought one of those outdoor fire pits for my uh, balcony today. Maybe I have to go back and get it. It won't quite be the fireplace, but I'll sit there, overlook the lake with the ducks and the turtles and everything and... Uh, I'll put on my speedo. Yeah, we won't, we won't broadcast that. So. That's, we don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> so what was, so, the- you know, uh, another article I saw that I didn't get a chance cause I just saw it not that long ago, but, and yeah, whether or not it, it'll be interesting, I assume it will impact the EV market. But uh, of course we all know that, or at least anybody that's been paying any attention and not living under a rock that uh, most of Europe and Asia, a good portion of Europe and Asia are uh, experiencing massive droughts and uh, quite high temperatures. And I just saw an article not a couple hours ago that uh, a couple of the major uh, EV battery plants in, I think it was China, um, should have kept it pulled up. Anyway, uh, I believe it's China that are shutting down due to, uh, you know, basically no power because the hydroelectric, uh, power generating plants aren't running right now because there's no water moving through the rivers. Um, so that'll be interesting because it's going to impact the supply chain even more, with them not producing these, the batteries and things that we need to uh, power the vehicles. Yeah. But we, and I don't have the article in front of me. It's on my PC at home. Um, and I haven't read it completely that they've. Oh, wait, or did we talk about it? I'm trying to, that they, yeah, it's the Buffett thing where they found all that, um, Lithium uh, and stuff lithium in the U.S. The where we could potentially, yeah, mm-hmm. eventually bring battery production to the United States, which would kind of be cool. But then again, how environmentally safe is it? Is it something we're going to mine the lithium in California and send it to China for them to put it into a battery to ship it back? Right. Um, yeah. And this is, I mean, you know, it's it, not to get off the path for tonight, but... Yeah, what is happening in Europe and Asia with this drought is going to 
be have pretty major impacts on not only the auto industry again when we're already coming off of uh, quite difficult times, but it's it's going to impact a lot of things again, much like probably the pandemic did. Uh, it's you know I was just reading up on some more of it today that it's just it's impacting business. It's impacting life over there because rivers are running absolutely dry um, in, you know, parts of Europe. I noticed uh, France, Spain, and Italy. And as I said, over in uh, Asia, they're running low on, you know, the water, uh, rivers, you know, drying up, running slow and uh, causing, you know, power generating issues to run the plants and the facilities and, everything that's, you know, so necessary in China to make so many of the products that the world uses. So, um, no, don't, don't I think we it. all hoped that it was going to get better, but I'm, 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 I'm concerned. Say, so, and, and don't give all the credit to China and Europe and that we're suffering our own drought problems. I mean, well, we are, that's true. You know, you look at Lake Mead and that, which, of course, feeds Hoover Dam, which powers a good chunk of the South. You know, number one, the water that the Southwest drinks. And then number two, the power that Hoover Dam produces for the Southwest. Um, it's it is an interesting thing. And it but it does fit into my well calculated retirement plan, hoping the apocalypse does arrive. And then I don't really have to worry about it. None of us have to worry. Yeah. You suckers with a 401ks. Yeah, you lose it all. <laughs> no. So anyway, back on track. Back to back to the automotive industry, John. We got a little off there. What do you what do you got? Well, I I was deviating in my mind, but let's get back on track. Um so I judged for years at um Chrysler's or excuse me, kit cars at Carlisle or kit cart kit car import nationals and the gentleman that ran that um show ed ed b because nobody can pronounce his last name also runs uh chrysler's at carlisle that's another one of the shows that's under his umbrella there's a couple of the directors and they each are in charge of certain shows at carlisle you know they all work together on all the shows but you know somebody's got to be accountable for what happens and ed's accountable for uh, imports and um, Chrysler's at Carlisle, and he might have another show now too. But and he's been broadcasting from Roadkill Nights and stuff in Detroit, and put out a picture of the 2023 Challenger convertible, which I have said since the Challenger was introduced eons ago, if they would make a factory convertible. Because, yes, I know I can order one and some have an aftermarket company convert it. I would really buy one. Well, now I like my Mini, and I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, just now is when I want to buy a V8 when I'm putting 4,000 miles a month on a car. But he had the picture of the Challenger convertible, which can be ordered through your dealer, which is then... I guess the car is built by Chrysler and then shipped to a place in Florida that does the conversion 
and you get it. So you get it with all factory warranty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which I'm good with because that's the way, hell, the original Chrysler convertibles were done um, in the early 80s. And ASC did it for Ford for a lot of their convertibles. And that's the way when convertible, yeah, when convertibles came back, you know, it was all, it was not necessarily the factory making them and it was done by a third party. And I'm good with that. And I'd still like to have a, a Strayman uh, um, CRX convertible too. But I don't, you know, I've lived in Alabama too long. I don't know if a convertible challenger's for me. But that was the interesting one that kind of piqued my interest because I could probably even get that in a, you know, a six cylinder. But then they threw out everything else because as well as the Challenger sells, as well as the Charger sells, and I can't believe they're pulling the plug on them. 2023 is the final year. And I kind of, I kind of knew that, but I didn't think Stellantis would hold true with that. I figured they would just keep watching until sales, you know, kind of hockey sticked in reverse. But 2023 is it. They've got seven special models coming out, various horsepower, various trim. They still don't offer the damn car in Panther Pink. Um, I really, that's it. Panther Pink, you know, Challenger convertible. Well, here's would, the thing, John. I would if consider you really a, want, If you want Panther Pink, just get the order the car, get the convertible, and then just have it vinyl wrapped in Panther Pink. I mean, anymore, you should complain about the color of a car. Vinyl wraps are so affordable and easy to do. But if you're bringing back, you know, B5 Blue, and if you're bringing back, um, um, I can't think of their name for purple all of a sudden again. And I did this the other day, forgot it. They're bringing back a lot of the vintage colors for this final run. And they even introduced a, or had a Challenger that was painted this, uh, every color you can get a Challenger in, just like the old historic car. And I really hope Chrysler donates that to Tim Wellborn to go because he put together a, a Cuda that is an you know the striped car, and that's what the paint chip car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and that's what they replicated again. And I think Tim Tim really deserves that car, whether Chrysler donates it to him or Tim convinces them to sell it to him, but it belongs in at the Wellborn. But I don't know. We've got all these different versions of the Challenger coming out. The Charger, it's they're they're going away. Um, they're talking about an e, uh, a E85 version coming out that's going to be the highest horsepower Challenger ever sold. Um, which I don't know. We're looking at thousand horsepower at that point. Um. So, and. I don't understand how they're they said a lot of things that sound cool, but when you really sit down to think about it, the logistics are a nightmare. Even if you can sit down and write a check for these cars, uh, they're going to put out the allocation table. So, you know, what dealer is getting what car? Yay. Um, if I haven't bought 40 cars from that dealer, I don't have a chance. You know, it's not, that's not going to level the playing field. It's, I think it's going to be another one of those um, dealer markup games. And 
but is it but in the end that's what they're doing because they're you know the the auto industry has changed so much and it's no longer build as many cars as we can get them out to the lots and have them sell because new car sales slumped so bad before the pandemic sales were going down the i mean 2008 hit hard i mean we all know that the recession hit hard and that began the change of the auto industry the um move towards electric vehicles and you know everything that is is going on right now in the industry to make those goals that the companies have set you know gm is i think it's 2035 i don't remember when ford's you know deadline goal is for electric fleet but i don't think any car is going to ever be as easy to buy brand new as it as most of us remember and not you know it's it's not only everything that's impacted the industry so far but it's also and we've talked about it on the show before a lot of the younger generations don't really care about driving so they're not buying cars so there's no reason to mass produce these things send them out to the lots to have them sit and not sell and moving to this allotment uh, strategy like Corvette has been for many 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 years um you know, it is the the new way of the world. And we've talked about that too. You know, the the dealerships are not gonna really be what you think of. You know, they're gonna move to a much different system. Well, it's to me, it's still not getting into that dealership and availability and mass production. It's Stellantis is coming out with very special versions of these cars and allocating them to certain dealers and certain quantities to certain places. And that's all understandable and fine and dandy, but they're all going to be spoken for. Um, That's been a lot of the chatter on a lot of the other car podcasts that I listen to is, oh, we know Chrysler's or Dodge is ending production of these cars in 2023 but I want to buy the very last highest horsepower version. And how do I know what it is? Well, now they've kind of told us what all seven cars are. And I guess those allocation tables are going to let you know when the cars are coming. And it sounds like they're going to throw you seven at the same time. And you just got to pick which one you want and write the hundred and some thousand dollar check for it. But I mean, it isn't, isn't that the way Ferrari does it? Isn't that the way, you know, I mean, look at Ferrari. If you want to buy a certain Ferrari, you had to own, you know, what, three or four other Ferraris before you can even touch. Well, to get, uh, a, to get, Ferrari, to get a new Ferrari, you have to own a used Ferrari basically is what it yeah. comes down to. I, but I mean, met- what was it when the, I think it was the Enzo came out. You had to, they actually, you had to like, own in succession three other Ferraris before you could get the Enzo. Yep. And they do the same thing with the La Ferrari and some things right. like that. And you know, so, I, but you know, it, it, this isn't even as close to that. And everybody's like, Oh, Dodge. Yeah. I mean, 
it's just the way the industry is now. There's, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I, I see it differently. Um, but then it came out and all of a sudden it's just hit everywhere today. Uh, it started to come out this morning and then I started to see article after article this afternoon. Dodge only makes three cars. And I said a long time ago that Fiat's goal was to kill. Dodge would go away. Ram would still exist. Jeep will still exist. But I don't see, you know, I saw Dodge being absorbed by Alpha. Well, I guess Alpha's not doing so well in the States, but so maybe Alpha's going to, Dodge is going to absorb Alpha, whatever. But the three cars that Chrysler produces are, or not Chrysler, excuse me, Dodge produces the Challenger, the Charger, and the Durango. And in 2021, Dodge came out with a huge advertising campaign, and it was talked about, and it was discussed in shows, and the CEO came out and talked about it. One year, get one chance, do it now. We're only going to build 2,000 of them. 2021 Durango SRT Hellcats. Build 2,000 of them. That's it. If you don't get one of those 2,000, you're screwed unless you get one of the additional 1,000 we built. They built just shy of 3,000. So they already bumped up the number a little bit, which hurts the value, um, the collector value, if you're buying it as an investment. It's a car. You know, you really shouldn't do that. Ferrari's been sued over that because they've produced additional cars and now they don't really tell you necessarily how many they're going to build of anything. But manufacturers have been sued because they've built overbuilt. And that was a lot of talk back in 21 when they built a thousand extra Durango SRT Hellcats. Well, guess what the other thing they introduced uh, last week or the other day? is the 2023 Durango SRT Hellcat. And the owners, by and large, not all of them, but by and large, the owners are pissed. Because a lot of them bought this for a collector value, for the exclusivity, and now all of a sudden, it's available again. And I sit with the owners that are pissed um if you say you're gonna do something you're gonna do it once you can get one shot at it then i guess you can get into the fine print you got one shot at getting a 2021 durango srt hellcat can't get another one of them now you can get a 2023 you know if you want to get into the fine fine nitpicking and then of course the people that don't have the truck are um, kind of happy because now they have a chance at getting one. And it's just, that's why part of the title of this is Dodge is saying, I'm sorry. They haven't come out and said, I'm sorry. They haven't come out and tried to make it right. But I think they need to figure out something without incriminating themselves um, and totally admitting guilt that, hey, we lied to you but maybe to figure out how to pacify these 3000 owners of these trucks around 2,500 with, you know, things that have been sold, et cetera, and totaled. But I thought that was an interesting thing, but 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had not seen that until you sent the article or heard about that, but it's, it will be an interesting one to watch because, you know, they flat out said that it would be a one model year, uh, you know, which is where they, in my opinion, shot themselves in the foot because, you know, that's going to be, that's probably going to be the hang up because, you know, it's, it's not a, you know, overall design change to the vehicle that is coming out, which, you know, had they done an overall design change and it's a whole new, you know, generation of the vehicle, I could see them getting away with it, um, you know, or something to that effect. But the fact that it is essentially still the same generation of Durango, uh, that's going to be a tough one. So it's going to be interesting to see, because I think you're right, John. I think I, I'm kind of on the side of, the original owners of the 2021s where, you know, they went out and bought it because it supposedly was going to be a one, one time only deal. And now they're kind of going back on that. So uh, it will, it'd be interesting to see how it winds up. And I think a good example in history on that, and we don't even have to go to Europe. 78. Dodge built this little thing called the little red truck. A lot of people know them as a little red express. And in 78, they didn't sell so well. They only sold, I can't remember a thousand or 2000 of them. Not very many. Um, but by 79, everything had caught on, but and you did have a design change to Dodge trucks between 78 and 79. There, there were some body style changes and some things like that. Uh, but they ended up selling almost 5,000 of the 79s. And everybody wants a 78 because it was the first. So maybe the 21 Durango owners can lean that way, but there was a design change. And like you said, there it has not been a design change. This is just the final hurrah for the Durango too, because it goes away. You know, at the end of 2023, Dodge as we know it does not exist. Um, kind of say I'm kind of really looking forward to some of the changes for 2024 Dodge, but I don't, you know, some of the stuff they're doing, like I said, is, is cool. Some of it grabbing headlines, but I don't know if it's going to be the smoothest goodbye to gasoline with that division of Stellantis that um, they could have hoped for. Right. However, Jason said in the comments here, um, let's see here about, I can't remember about 15 minutes ago. Why did they ever call a four door, a charger? Never have understood that. No, because people don't buy two doors anymore. Yeah, exactly. But, but the car they're showing to replace, the, to carry the Dodge banner into the future, ironically, is a two-door. That <laughs> looks a hell of a lot like a 69 Charger. Um, We talking about the new one they revealed? Yep. I can't remember what it's called, though. 
I've got the article up here. I could change screens. The Hornet. Is it a Hornet? Yeah, I think it's the Hornet. All electric, four-wheel drive, zero to 60 in three, three and a half seconds. It's going to make a Hellcat look like a neon. I mean, it's really interesting that it's actually it's the Banshee. They're Banshee. bringing the Banshee name. They're they're going to. Um, I find uh, a lot of it catches me off guard. I don't know who was going to be first, but for some reason, I would have never. I would have put Stellantis and Fiat and Dodge to be the last people to in the gasoline muscle cars, and now they're the first to do that, and then the first to introduce a electric or an electric muscle car. And it really has got me thinking about a lot of things when it comes to what is a muscle car? Why, why are we so against electric? Because isn't the idea of a muscle car to go as kind of as fast as possible? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, go in a straight line. I mean, the quarter mile drag race, um, feel fast, have performance. Right now, electric is kind of it. I mean, electric is king when it comes to acceleration, speed, you know, overall top speed. But the problem in America is that the, you know, the big, I think the big hold off and pushback is that Americans like to drive long distances and limited range is what everybody gets hung up on. And like I say, it's a, I don't think range should be a problem anymore now that we've got electric cars that go. 450, 600 miles on a charge. Lucid, I'm talking talking to you. And I saw a Lucid the other day, finally. Really love that sucker. Right. And that's, but that's if you're driving economically, right? No. You, you can get the Lucid with the top of the line performance package, et cetera, and drive it kind of balls to the wall and still get somewhere between four and 500 miles of range. All um, right. Well, that's, it, that's impressive. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, if you drive it conservatively, then obviously you're going to go a little bit farther, but I'm just, but you're saying range. I don't know very many people who road trip, their, you know, Hemi Kudas that, you know, road trip their 302 Camaros. Uh, well, there's a lot of them out. I, I think there's a lot more than you would think. I mean, specifically, I'm thinking about because I was so ingrained in it for so long, the Corvette community. Uh, I mean, the Corvette community, if they're going, so, I mean, a lot of Corvette owners drive their Corvette across the country. 
So I think, I think I'm just saying, I think there are a lot more people out there road tripping in modern muscle and sports cars than you think. Yeah, but you're talking modern muscle and sports cars, but we're talking muscle cars. The idea of a muscle car is to go as fast as possible in a quarter mile. You know, there's so many, you know, they joke that there's this Coronet out there. There's this Camaro out there. There's this GTO out there. It's only got 800 miles on it. Yeah. You know, it's 3,200 trips, but it's 800 miles because they're all done at a quarter mile at a time. Yeah. Okay. But how many, how many of the modern muscle cars are actually being raced like that? Or is it just a bunch of midlife crisis cars that, you know, guys are buying and ladies are buying and whatever, and they're just driving them around kind of as the family car, just because they look good. Yeah. But how many people are hopping into their, um, I'm even go. I'll even go Charger Hellcat, and driving from driving seven eight hundred miles cross country. Most of those people are leaving the Hellcat at home and taking their SUV. Uh, yeah, and most of those people that bought the Hellcat are leaving their Hellcat at home almost all the time, and they only take it to the local car show. They don't take it to the drag strip and race it. No. The majority of them, they, they get in it and they drive into town on a weekend and they get lunch or dinner and they go to the local cruise in or car show. And then they go back and put it in the garage. And in 20 years from now, you have a, a Hellcat that's got 60 miles on it. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to put a disclaimer. I know a couple of people and have a couple of friends that the Hellcat is their daily driver. Um, friend Lynn, she, she's drives her health. That's the only car she owns. That's what she drives. So there are the people like that, but I still don't, I guess I just don't understand why people hate the electric so much. And I think this new thing from Dodge maybe will sway some people. And I guess the initial, when they first announced it, the initial complaints were, well, it doesn't make noise. Well, Dodge did something and has a electronically tuned exhaust. Um, and it will hit a hundred and I think it's 127 decibels, which is the exact um, maximum decibel level that a Hellcat will hit. So they've even added the noise to the car. The difference is I think you can turn it, you know, you'll turn on this car on in the morning in your subdivision and have it silent. And then when you finally get out of your subdivision and head into work, you can turn it on and make it noisy and not piss off your neighbors. Now, I know half of us, that's the fun thing to do is just to piss off our neighbors. But, um, you know, I think they've even solved that. Which, but that's not even a, a big a leap forward in any kind of technological development. I mean, most modern cars have some type of electronic, you know, sound pumped through the speakers or uh, even your, you know, exhaust tuning when you switch from sport mode to track mode to this or that. Some of it is, you know, electronically controlled baffles, but some of that is also electronic noise. And I'm glad you said that. 
because not a lot of people are aware that happens. And I'm sure, you know, majority of our listeners know that, but it's so big deal. If it's an electronic noise, the car still is making noise and it's producing it. And what you're hearing is what you want to hear. Um, so I don't know. I think the car, the, the new car looks good. We all know that I don't mind electric cars. You know, I see them as an alternative to whatever's out, you know, whatever you want to drive. I'm not against them. I'm not a hundred percent for them. They're not necessarily the answer. I've got an article I'll probably have to get into next week that BMW's now got a couple of hydrogen cars and we've talked about Toyota getting into the hydrogen game. So electric might not be the answer. It might be the stopgap. That's true. Bob just commented, has an interesting, it made me think of something actually. He says, coming from the muscle car era, it's about attitude, volume, and brute force. Electric might have that instant power, but it doesn't have the rumble. And that's what we're kind of talking about, right? The sound of the exhaust, that rumble, that growly note that American cars are so well known for versus the Europeans. But that made me think of one other thing that an electric car is missing and will likely will be very difficult to recreate affordably. And that is the feel of the engine. In other words, you can feel the vibration of a high horsepower V8 engine when you throttle it up in a car. When you rev an engine, you get the vibration. You're not getting that in an electric car. That is one thing I will say that, you know, if they could, I don't even know if they could figure out a way to do it that would still be the same. And you know, it, it is that that feeling of the power when you rev an engine. Have you been to Universal Studios or Disney World or name any of the places? I think even Coca-Cola in Atlanta. You go into their theaters and you can sit down and you get mm-hmm. this totally immersive experience. Yeah, 40 you- theater rumbles in the seats. Yes. But here's here's but but like I said, is it going to be affordable to recreate that in every single car, electric car that they're selling? To put all of that equipment into cars to make them vibrate like that. If you're buying the Banshee it's going to be part of the package. I mean, it's going to be built into the price. But is it going to and be a subscription that you can turn on and off? Quite possibly. <laughs> quite possibly. But I believe it'll be built in, and it's it's really there already. I mean, with the with subwoofers and under seat speakers and in seat speakers, and you know, between the speaker system and then maybe the seat massage, you know, you could really. Pr- reproduce that rumble inside the car. I know what you're kind of saying outside the car and I don't, if you could do it, but I don't think you could do it practically. Um, a friend of mine used to own a uh, Shelby 1000. It's one of eight. I think they ever built. Um, it's now owned by the Barber museum. It was donated that to them a year or two ago, but he came, brought that to lunch one day and I'm not, I'll, I've never been a huge exhaust note fan. But we're sitting inside in the restaurant and we're all eating and he arrived late like he always does. That whole building shook. 
because of the exhaust note on that car at idle. You know, hard to say what it would do at full throttle, but just when he rolled into the parking lot and pulled into his parking spot, that restaurant shook. The tables vibrated. And yeah, you I'll give you that. You might not be able to reproduce that with an electric car. There you um, go. Boom. But in looking at the new Banshee, it's got the coolest little thing on it. And I think the drive.com even commented on it. And they probably said, what, you know, you never really thought about it, but Stellantis has had the balls to introduce the first electric muscle car for the road and include a front wing on it. And if you think back to Cannonball Run, uh, the Lamborghini that had the wing on the front and the back and that, the new Banshee has that integrated into with the, the grill because the hood kind of slopes down and the top bar of the grill that goes across is separated from the hood. So that's actually been designed as a wing. And you can't really tell me too many other cars out there that have a visible front wing on them that are sold really as a driver. I mean, we've got the splitters and stuff, but is there anything else out there that has a front wing on it? <sighs> Nothing I'm coming up with right <laughs> off top. You know, I'll be honest, the Lamborghini is the only thing I can think of. And that really wasn't even a factory option. That was just an add on thing. You know, here's my one take on this, though. Well, maybe two takes. Number one, uh, when when you get a chance to listeners, uh, you know, Google this. Google, take take a look at the 2023 uh, Dodge Charger Daytona SRT concept. That is the, the full name they're calling the concept car. And uh, they're using the Banshee nickname because that's the, what they're calling the 800-volt drivetrain that is in it uh, with all-wheel drive and, and an erupt multi-speed transmission. But just looking at it, it's, it's a decent-looking car. I think the, uh, the styling's a little off in the back section of the car. Uh, the rear window looks a little long for what the Charger was. But I think the big thing that sticks out to me, John is they're calling this a Dodge, right? Mm -hmm. But did you look at the pictures? There's not a single Dodge em emblem on it. I assume the emblem that is on it is the new, maybe Stellantis emblem. Mm -hmm. I do not see a single Dodge uh, badging or name on weight. Yeah. Uh, I do not see a single Dodge badge on this anywhere. Going back to your theory of, are they killing the name Dodge? Uh, the steering wheel simply says SRT and everything else has this kind of uh, three point. Well, weird. Jason, I'm not even sure what to call it. Well, Jason says, you know, uh, no Chevrolet em emblems on the Corvette either, but that, I think goes way back. But um, the question is, think now Durango excluded because the Durango kind of is a Ram. 
What's the Dodge emblem on a Challenger? What's the Dodge emblem on a Charger? Is there one? Uh, yeah. uh, wow. Now I, I hate when you, cause you get that Mandela effect. <laughs> like, yeah, there is, isn't there? And then you look and you're like, Oh crap. No, there isn't. And is what the, is what you're seeing potentially a new Dodge logo for the quote new electric. Dodge. The new Dodge Banshee electric. You know, literally the new Dodge. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, my theory ever since Fiat stepped up to the plate and bought Chrysler, and now the whole game's changed because there's other money involved in that, that Jeep, Jeep and Ram are the only things that are going to survive. And I really thought Fiat would take over for Plymouth. Alfa Romeo would take over for Dodge and Maserati would take over for Chrysler. And well, Fiat failed on its fell on its face because they couldn't keep the 500 updated. So it went away just like Plymouth did. So there's really no entry level things. Chrysler makes the 300, which I assume with the, Charger going away. I'm assuming the 300 is going away. And that leaves them a minivan, which could easily be rolled into Ram. Um, the Ram van is back. So I really think, you know, we're going to see Chrysler go away. So, it, you know, I, I don't know where it sits, but Stellantis is going to. It's going to be, like I say, it's going to be change things. Yeah. I'm going to, I've got to go back to Jason's comment though. Cause you know, you brought it up. You said no, no Chevrolet emblems on Corvette either. Um, I disagree. There is no word Chevrolet on a Corvette, but there is a Chevrolet emblem on the Corvette. And you want to play that game. The new Jeep, uh, Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer do not say Jeep anywhere on them. That's true. You know, and that was an intentional thing they've done to make, you know, I guess you can't charge a hundred grand for a Jeep, which is where the Grand Wagoneer starts. And I've started to see those on the road. They're pretty good looking trucks. Are you serious? What? I think I like, I think them. they're good looking. Yeah. Oh God, they're hideous, John. I also like the... How much uh, have you had to drink? Um, I'm on my second Paps Blue Ribbon tonight. That explains a lot. Um, They didn't have anything good in the single cans. And I go, okay. I I, I was either going to buy a Bud Ice 32 or I bought a four-pack, a 16-ounce Paps Blue Ribbon. I just finished listening to the book um, The Devil in the White City, which is about the... Um, serial killer in Chicago mm-hmm. during the World's Fair, and you know, Paps Blue Ribbon was introduced at the 1893 World's Fair. So, some good old it, PBR. Yes, and I keep getting. You know what all else the- was at the 1893 World's Fair, John? Lots of things. The Benz Patton Motorwagen. Carl Benz himself was there, and he met a young man from Detroit. Hmm. Dearborn. Lee Iacocca wasn't born yet, so... He was pretty old, though. (laughs) (laughs) So... 
Well, now we got to now we got to do a show on badging. I think the history of badging. I think that'd be a good one to dive into. Now we, I wanted to throw out a tip here uh, because it's in the comments, and we won't delete comments. Highly do not recommend remote starting your car in the garage and leaving the garage door closed. Yeah, not not a good idea. <laughs> Unless it's a detached garage that you're going to 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 get into it, you have to open the overhead door. Well, that's not what he's saying. But <laughs> and I wasn't commenting on the comment. I was just oh. commenting on when it might be okay to do it. And Bob said something about knowing that your foot is making the power is better than knowing a computer is faking the power. I guess I'm getting old. Well, I can't tell you a car that's sold right now that has a throttle cable or the throttle is actually connected to the car. Um, <laughs> it all goes through a computer now. Yes. Drive by wire, ladies and gentlemen, drive by wire. Invented all the way back in 1968. On an electric vehicle, by the way. Anyway. <laughs> well, the only other thing I had on our topics or list of topics, and it can be quick, is we touched on it earlier about dealer markups and that. Well, I guess it really, no, it's not. And we didn't even touch on it on dealer markups. It's the game plan uh, General Motors has come up with for the Hummer EV and the Corvette Z06. Um, to help hopefully reduce flipping of the vehicles. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Believe me, I hear a lot. I've heard a lot about it through the Corvette community. Um, you know, and and there's there's a lot they're talking about with you know warranty um, voiding uh, things like that. But it's it's much needed because I know dealers that, you know, de- own people that own dealerships that when people do this and they flip these cars, it, it really only winds up hurting the dealerships in the end. Um, and for those that are upright and honest dealerships that don't do the markup and don't, you know, do the things that GM is telling them to do for the customer base, the people that come in and snipe the cars and take them out to flip them in the end, it, it winds up hurting, truly hurting the dealerships in this more so than anybody else. Well, it even to me helps prevent what the Hyundai had happened to them or one Hyundai dealership had happened to them. They were doing the upstanding thing with the new electric and selling them at sticker price and the Hyundai dealership down the road came over and bought their entire inventory. Yep. And I told, I'm say I'm totally on board. I think the five thousand dollar bonus, you keep the car twelve months, will give you a five thousand dollar rebate. A neat incentive. I don't think it's the, you know, if I can flip the car and make twenty grand. Right, that's not going to solve the problem. So, but it's it's it would still make me think about it. Well, I can still make five grand in the end. Yeah, but 
being the guy paying 20 or 30 over sticker for a Z06 or especially a Hummer EV that doesn't come with a warranty, that's <laughs> going to really make me think twice. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I've heard, you know, even Broncos are selling at what 20 and 30,000 over sticker for some stupid reason. It's, it's a very, I find it very interesting because what we just talked about a little bit ago, which was the auto industry struggling, uh, you know, for, really for kind of a long time, Americans have kind of been lackluster on the vehicles we've been turning out from the auto industry. And so, you know, there is a lot of talk about changing the way these cars are purchased and the way they build the cars, you know, going back to the, you know, the Lee Iacocca discussion we had a week or two ago when he got to Chrysler and he was like, look, we're not bought, we're not building a car that isn't bought. Right. I mean, that was cost savings. And, but now it seems like all of the sudden, you know, they're starting to change the dynamic of the way they do things, but then also building cars that it seems like every American wants the, the new mid engine Corvette, the uh, Bronco, the, you know, uh, some of the EVs coming out, the Hummer EV, the cars you're talking about everybody's like, man, I want one of those. So I'm going to go pay 20,000 over sticker. Like what, how, how did we get to this point where we're, we're at this convergence of issues in the industry that are, are lining up the way they are. It's, it's really a topic for another day. Cause I was talking to somebody last night about, um, he has a car, that is getting, well, it's leaking basically coolant into the number one cylinder. And the dealer has told him that, oh, that's a common problem with that car. And we highly recommend a new motor as opposed to changing the head gasket. Um, I don't know which is right there. I don't know too much about the problem, but now he's in this dilemma of wanting to buy another car and he's going, somebody threw out electric and Jason said earlier something about he'd buy an electric if it was you know, reasonably priced, dependable, blah, blah, blah. And somebody threw out to this guy, you know, well, buy a bolt, which, yeah, there's some things to it. And we kind of discussed all of that, but he goes, you know, cars are just so expensive right now. And I don't know if I want to do an electric, you know, I might just have to settle down and like get a Camry. The problem is that's why you think cars are so damn expensive. You can't buy the mainstream car. If you don't want to pay an exorbitant price for a used car, you're not buying an Accord. You're not buying a Camry. Go buy, go look at a Hyundai. You know, go look, you know, go look at, you know, the, the Kia, you know, obviously this person won't buy a car from the manufacturer that built his existing car, his present car, because they're bitter about it. There's two other American manufacturers and, you know, there's a lot of European stuff out there that's really not as expensive as you think. So it's just, I don't know, pick the game and, you know, you intelligently shop um i don't know 
What is my new slogan on this show? Do your research. That should be, you know, I'll probably run that as a little ticker. But exactly. And it's Heck, probably- even things we talk about. Do your research because who knows if we're saying the right thing or not. We didn't even get to the bad advice part of this show. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Well, I guess we'll do bad advice next week, maybe. Um, don't know. Probably don't know. Not at night next week, Wednesday or Thursday. Watch for the announcement. Um, no driving gloves.com. Everything's there. All the shows. Um, links to things that we have for sale that we like affiliate, excuse me, affiliate links, uh, email guest, excuse me, guest form that if you'd like to be on the show, fill it out. And we'll probably invite you on and chat because the idea behind this is to sit down, have a PBR and, uh, talk cars, have fun. You know, this, this should be an open forum. We're not going to have 12 people on here. At one time, but we're just going to do a zoom call one night just with like 30 people and, you know, just everybody talks at once. We ought to look at doing that, doing a private little zoom call, you know, and just have a little, you know, maybe not even broadcast it. And I'll just sit down by the, the fire and listen to me read, uh, Iacocca, an autobiography. Oof. Oof. We should wrap this up. It's going off the rails. Yeah, that's what happens when you have 32 ounces of the Blue Ribbon Award beer from the 19 or 1893 World's Fair. I know there's something about Columbia, whatever in the name, but yeah, 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 yeah. And that's about it. I'm going to get out of here. All right. I'm leaving. Night, Jason. Night, Bob. Night, anybody else out there. I don't know everybody's name that's on the the viewer list. See y'all next week. Later. We're going away now.